0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Folks, I'm getting there. You can still hear a lot of the gravelly, very uh, rugged sound in my voice, but I will say it hurts significantly less to make noise today than it did each of the two previous days. I don't have particularly high hopes for the remaining two shows this week that I'm going to get back to actual vocal strength, but we're inching in the right direction. I really did myself in on this one. It's crazy. And I have to change the whole way that I run this podcast because normally I can just flow from one thought into the next. Everything is very simple and straightforward. And now I really I have to focus hard on pausing, breathing. I need air to make all the noises I'm creating right now. That's rough, man. This is a rough week for old Danny Boy. I actually feel relatively good, uh, but it's very difficult to get actual thoughts across to children when you can't make noises that are louder than their baseline volume kids are extremely loud anywho uh welcome to the show it's fantasy nba today it's wednesday's edition uh it will like the previous couple of episodes be a little bit on the shorter side we have a relatively short card to go over a couple of interesting things that did shake out during it uh we will keep promo to a bare minimum again and uh i'm just gonna get through this week with the information that I want to make sure I get out to all of you guys, and then I'll continue to point you to social media at Dan Baspers, D A N B E S B R I S, where we will do uh, a lot of additional work. Yesterday, we even managed to sneak in a Q and A session on Twitter. I want to try to do that anytime I can. I don't know what the rest of this week's going to hold, but uh, that was fun. And thank you to everybody that's been rating and reviewing the podcast. I know some of you guys that I was able to speak to individually about it have been so cool about subscribing and checking out the show. And, and I hope some of you are listening. Well, I hope some of you listen to previous episodes, not these god awful ones where I can't make a noise with my voice. But some of the, if you're listening for the first time, you're gonna be like, oh, is this really what Dan sounds like? This is what people have been listening to for these years? No, no, Dan's hanging on by a thread. Dan's vocal strength is full-on in the toilet. But let's get through the games from last night before I completely run out of gas. Uh, Utah beat Detroit 126-111. Lowry marking in 38 points on nine three-pointers, 13 for 20 shooting in the ballgame. It catapulted Lowry back up inside the top 20. Back up to number 19. I mean, barely, but... What an unbelievable year he's having. 53% from the field, three three-pointers a game, 83% high-volume, medium-volume, free-throw shooting. There's just so much to like about what he's done this year. And I got a couple of questions over the last week of people that are like, wow, is Lowry really going to stay inside the top you know, 24 or whatever? And I said, ah, you know, I don't know about 24, but with every one of these passing games, it becomes harder and harder for him to move off his valuation. I feel pretty comfortable dropping him inside the top 36, you know, first three rounds. It would take a pretty stark drop-off for him not to get into that neighborhood at the end of the year, or hang in that neighborhood, I guess we should say. Jared Vanderbilt did what Jared Vanderbilt does. We just spent a bunch of time on him earlier this week with busted voice and all, basically saying, look, this is a guy who explodes about one out of every three ballgames. games. Every three games, he has one big one, and then he goes for two extremely quiet ones, and when it all levels off, he's right in that 90 range, and sure enough, that's where he's at again. So here was the big one. This pushes him up near 90, and then he'll probably have a couple of quiet ones, and he'll fall back to 106, 107, and then he'll have a better one, and he'll push back up near 90 again, which I think it does follow suit to what we talked about yesterday. That is, technically, he's a hold. And we've been saying that on the show all season long, but at the same time, if you don't want to deal with that, I can't get up here on my bully pulpit and yell at you that you have to because every league is a little bit different. Personally, I would stick with it because 90-some-odd range is valuable, and he does it with a, a relatively rare combination of rebounds and steals and field goal percent. Those are cool things to be able to get, uh, for your fantasy team, and and most of the free agents you're going to look for are not going to be able to actually combine those types of statistics. So that's why I still lean towards the hold side, but I also get it. Folks that dropped him, you're not going to be that sad about it. When he has these bigger games like this, you're going to be like, ah, damn it, I dropped that guy. And then he's going to have two quiet ones, and you're going to go, oh, right, I dropped that guy. So it'll be fine. It averages out to 12 teams startable, but you're not beholden to it. What you are beholden to is having Walker Kessler on your fantasy team. And I know he didn't have as good a game as Vanderbilt here, but you got to love the 27 minutes. I know no Kelly Olenek and that did absolutely play a role in this ball game, but they love him. His shot blocking is excellent. His free throw shooting is not his rebounding is solid field goal percent blocks uh, and rebounds are also a really important combination. Luckily he doesn't shoot many free throws. So the bad percentage isn't really dinging you too hard. Uh, He appears to be relatively locked in. And then Mike Conley, 7 points, 7 assists, 3 rebounds, a 3-pointer, and a steal. He's really in there right now, at least, to mostly kind of steer the boat. Um, I do think that they're being somewhat gentle with him, but I also think that he should remain on fantasy teams as a starting point guard. uh, And we've seen what he can do when he's kind of forced to do a little bit more, but right now, markin and, and Clarkson and Beasley coming off the bench are taking all the damn shots. Malik Beasley, very much a three pointer streamer fill in wise. He's okay. He's not spectacular. He had that really hot run about three weeks ago, and then he went ice cold. Uh, we've seen that with a lot of guys who have his fantasy profile. I would prefer to trust one that is a starting and getting starters minutes, but If you want to roll with Beasley until Sexton comes back, that probably also makes uh, a little bit of sense. That's okay. I'm doing a lot of that's okay on the podcast these days. There's a lot of stuff that happens in fantasy that happens around the fringes that isn't going to make or break your team, specifically on the roto side over the long haul. You want to be hunting those upside guys. and then With Head to Head, there's a lot of streaming involved in fantasy these days. Over on the Detroit side, Jalen Duren, 15 points, 14 rebounds. He's been just absolutely dominating since moving into the starting lineup. There's nothing not to like about Jalen Duran right now, other than you'd probably want to see a few more defensive stats, but that doesn't really seem to be his profile so far. Jaden Ivy, better ball game, still relatively inefficient, uh, free throw and turnover. He just happened to have a better shooting game this time around. I like Jaden Ivy. He's fun. Uh, he fits the profile of these rookies that are going to get better with efficiency as you hit like around the All-Star break. Uh, so that kind of makes him a luxury stash at this point. You could roll with him on the head-to-head side, and you just kind of have to hope that he doesn't burn you in those three negative categories. I don't know if there's a whole lot to go over with Detroit anymore. I think things have settled in a little bit now with Durin and the starting lineup. Isaiah Stewart kind of bouncing back and forth between... Decent ball game and less decent ball game. This, of course, being the latter of those two choices. And then Killian Hayes, who uh, ended up a little bit dinged up in this ball game, um, but wasn't having a particularly good one anyway. We don't need to go over it again. You, you guys know where I stand on Hayes as a starter. He's like, you know, top 130 kind of range. And I don't see him magically jumping beyond that. You guys can yell at me on Twitter all you want, but Killian is who Killian is, and his stat set is not all that great for nine-category leagues, just the way it is. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo! say all of your friends. You start to sweat. And then went out and won a ball game, although the Heat were without Jimmy Butler, who woke up with the, um, well, the crud. Jimmy Butler had a tummy situation, which we don't have the exact details of, but I think we can probably put two and two together. Number two and number two together, he said, hoping that the listening audience was on board with this very stupid joke. The notable thing... uh. On the Miami side, besides a Haywood Highsmith, who was filling in for Caleb Martin in this game as well, is that Victor Oladipo posted 34 minutes again. And we've been talking about him on the podcast since kind of late last week. I think he was in our uh, speculative area on Friday of last week when we saw those minutes clear 30. It's not a guarantee that that's going to happen on a nightly basis, but we do know that he has hyper elite steals ability. And if you're getting minutes and you've sort of been a success story in the past the way that Oladipo has, forget like the Alex Caruso story, which I love Alex Caruso. He was fantastic for the Lakers. He's great at what he does defensively, but he doesn't want to take any shots. Oladipo's not afraid to actually get involved a little bit on the offensive side. So you combine what he's able to do on the steals number, because that's always going to be big. I mean, I think he has seven in his last two ballgames, only two here, which is... I don't know, is that a letdown after having five? It shouldn't be. Two should very much get the job done. But what we saw also is that even when Butler is healthy or when Lowry is healthy, it seems like they want to get Oladipo pretty close to, I don't want to say starters level minutes, but a very high number for a bench performer. And kind of, does he jump in front of a lot of the other guys on the heat? It seems more and more like that is indeed the case. Field goal percent is going to be a problem for him. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about it. But the hope is that with a little extra usage, that some good free throw shooting, a little bit of scoring, some assists, and a whole bunch of steals, you can kind of overwhelm the negative element. But I think you you know if you didn't do it a couple days ago when we talked about him before, I think you absolutely have to be adding Victor Oladipo right now just to see how this thing shakes out. I think there's at least a 50-50 shot that he becomes a worthwhile Roto games cap kind of play. The chance that he works out as a head-to-head daily leagues guy, in my eyes, is much lower because we know he's going to get rest days. We know they're going to be monitoring everything he does. And if there's even the tiniest bit of soreness, they'll sit him down. So the missed games, I think, are going to be a real trouble spot for him on the head-to-head side. But with Roto, where you can just sort of play him when he's active... Maybe you find something here. Maybe he is an 80-range guy the rest of the season, even if you only get 50 60% of the games left out of him. So Roto side, he's a definite add. For Chicago, uh, we all were wondering what would be the immediate aftermath of a, of a players-only yell fest that apparently happened in the hallway or whatever the report was. And the very first thing we saw is that Zach Levine passed more, and Nikola Vucevic was far more involved on the offensive side. Now, if you're like me, and you felt like Vuch was going to be an extremely safe pick in the, gosh, he was falling to the end of the third, early fourth round this year, this is music to your ears. And despite what I think you could argue has kind of been just sort of a quiet plodding season for Vooch so far he's actually number 33 on a per game basis and he's played in I believe every game for Chicago so far I think he's at 30 out of 30 so and this is similar to what he was able to do last year which is you know last season he was in the late 20s I think on a per game basis but his durability was outstanding and so he was you know by totals he was basically on the turn now this year he's played in every single ball game so despite being in the mid-30s per game, Vuce is actually number 19 by total so far. you got to respect that. That's fantastic. That's great value for a third-round pick. Now, if they're going to let him do more, I say let, but you know what I mean, just make sort of force him to be more involved on offense on a more consistent basis, which they should, it just it changes the dynamic of the team. I, I don't know how long this is going to stick. I don't think that There's really such thing as a sell-high with Vooch because he's very much an old man squad kind of dude, but it's really nice that his value is, at least in the short term, getting a little small, even the tiniest little bump is a pretty big deal because he was already at or above his ADP, so everything else is just profit. Knicks won again. The Knicks have won eight games in a row. They're up to the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference, and they spanked, the Stephless and Wigginsless Golden State Warriors here, one thirty-two to ninety-four. The Warriors in a little bit of a free fall right now. They're fifteen and seventeen. They're three and fifteen on the road. Yowza! Uh, and the you know the, watching a couple of the storylines with the Warriors just to see what would happen here with no Steph and no Wiggins, and then also no Dante Divincenzo. Moses Moody got the start and didn't really do much with it, and. That's fine. That's kind of what we expected. I'm not big into the Jonathan Kaminga streaming train. I think DiVincenzo coming back is the guy I'm willing to take a shot on in the games cap side. There's, to me, enough upside there, at least until Wiggins comes back, and that's about as far as I'm going with the dubs. One of my uh, favorite friends out on Twitter, a longtime listener of the podcast and, and user of HoopBall and Sports Ethos, said, what about uh, hot for two weeks Kevon Looney? To which the joke I made was, "Hey, you don't get that nickname for nothing, because yeah, as soon as, as soon as you trust Kevon, he's going to get into foul trouble and poop himself, kind of the way this ball game went. Uh, I think he also sprained a thumb in it, but he is someone to keep an eye on if the Warriors need to sort of lean into a little bit more of that veteran stuff. For the Knicks, if you were looking to pick it up and manual quickly, I can probably tell you to stop in your tracks. He does tend to put up big numbers in blowouts. So he's a garbage time favorite." Uh, They would need Jalen Brunson likely to miss time for quickly to hit whatever value they need. Meanwhile, Quentin Grimes, who we've been watching very closely as a guy that we thought could kind of stay above the cut line, had another really nice ball game, uh, but then also sprained his ankle late in this one. And that sucks. And he's doubtful for the next one. I don't actually even really know what that means for the Knicks because when Tibbs finds his guy, he gives them every damn minute they can handle. It's probably going to be someone like Miles McBride seeing a bump, but you're not going to do anything about that from a fantasy perspective. Or certainly you shouldn't if you were thinking about it. So that game didn't have a whole lot to dial into. What about Washington Phoenix? Well, Kristaps Porzingis was a late scratch. Not a big deal. Uh, He's just under the weather, so that'll sort itself out. But what we did learn in addition to stuff we already knew, which was that Daniel Gafford is a solid fill-in when Porzingis is out. Sucks that he went two for six at the free-throw line because that a pretty good-sized dent in what Gafford was uh, on his way to doing in this ballgame. But also that when Porzingis' usage gets freed up, yes, that's extra for Beagle and for Kuzma, but it did afford just enough for Denny Avdia to have another nice, well-rounded ball game. And he's actually showing himself to be a pretty well-rounded fantasy player in general. In my eyes, Avdi is someone who... You certainly can't start him when everybody's healthy on that team. The numbers just don't bear it out. He's they are not able to do enough on a game-to-game basis. But it sure does feel like when any of the high-usage guys goes down, Avdi is the dude that jumps over the cut line. Whether that's Coos or Beal or even Porzingis now, and because Avdi has a wing, everybody, like doesn't matter who's missing time, it does tend to just sort of help him. He can fill in at almost any of the available spots. So he had 16, 10, and 4. I know the usage still wasn't particularly high, but 8 shots and 6 free throws is a bit higher than his norm, and we know he's going to rebound, we know he's going to pass, we know he's going to sort of bumble into steals and blocks now, and again, they're not huge numbers for him, but uh, you know around a steal a little less than a block uh, and then you just kind of hope that this shot isn't a complete disaster on a game to game basis because he is shooting only 42 percent from the field this year eighty percent of the foul line is fine low volume so it sort of doesn't really matter anyway uh however all that all these notes on avdia to then finish up the thought by saying it sounds like porcingus is probably going to be back perhaps as soon as their next ball game and so none of this actually matters here in the immediate sense but just something to file in the rolodex this is why we have all this stuff because the next time one of these guys gets ruled out we want to be ready and know where to go in advance for phoenix uh devin booker sat this one out he's still dealing with the groin stuff hopefully that won't last too long chris paul actually got knocked in the shoulder and he's listed as questionable already for their next ball game it sounded like at least the quotes coming post game that he was more afraid that it was like the shoulder thing from last year. Uh, but I don't believe the initial report is that's what's going on. He had a poorer shooting night again. That's uh, annoying because with Booker out, you expect him to kind of go a little bit bigger. Landry Schammett was actually the guy that went huge in this ball game. That sucked uh, extra value out of Tory Craig, who we figured would have enough to get over the hump. He didn't really... Mikhail Bridges has gone into a pretty good-sized slump. We're going to talk about uh, by-lows on the Mikhail Bridges front over on social media. That's something to monitor there. And there's no campaign right now. He was out for this ballgame, so Chris Paul has to miss their next one, honest to goodness, I don't even know what the hell they're going to do. It's going to be sort of a point-guardless lineup for a Suns team that's you know, they're still nineteen and thirteen, so it's not like the sky is falling completely, but they've been quite bad on the road. This was a home loss. They're four and six in their last ten ball games, and they just don't sort of don't have that same sting that they had last year, or the year before, frankly. And then Denver Memphis, uh, Nikola Jokic, he could not follow up his forty and twenty five game, but he did get a triple double. Quiet triple double. This is sort of I mean, this is like the least you expect out of Jokic. That's silly and sad but uh that's how that's how good he is on offense he just sort of toys with teams it seems like Aaron Gordon turned himself into the, one of the most efficient scorers in the NBA pretty remarkable stuff uh he has really impressed me this year in a way i did not expect so that one's a should have been a lot higher on Gordon definitely wasn't although in my defense if i could take a moment to defend myself uh the nuggets haven't really had all of their horses most of this season now we thought we'd get jamal murray ramped up uh and michael porter jr would be there but by the time murray got ramped up mpj was dealing with this heel stuff and now murray's out the latest report suggests that both of those guys jamal murray and michael porter jr might be back by as soon as this coming weekend uh with the christmas stuff that would dramatically shift the way things look for denver then you're looking at kcp who's been hot lately he then loses a couple of shots bruce brown's been hot lately again he loses not only shots but also likely his spot in the starting lineup christian braun i don't know what the hell he's i mean he's been good for them but he's not a guy that you had your eye on anyway and then bones who just hasn't been good enough regardless uh i i don't know what kind of role he could possibly serve once those guys come back and to those asking what do you do about it? Do you go buy on Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray? I think if you could, you you should. Uh, I don't really know what, that would, what sort of price that would cost you in your fantasy league. You know your fantasy league better than I do. I wouldn't work overly hard to get it done, but it is something that if you're sitting around with nothing to do, that's probably something I would look at. So that's your Tuesday recap. And again, I don't... I just I'm sorry guys I just can't do the types of shows I normally do where we take 15 minute tangential discussions. It's just gonna have to be a little bit shorter here until I can get myself back to full strength. But it's coming little by little. It's coming. Uh, The one thing I did want to mention at the end of today's show is the free throw shooting of Shea Gilgis Alexander, which we sort of we touched on about two weeks ago, and I want to touch on it again because it's actually believe it or not gotten better. He's at 10.2 foul shots per game, 93.3%. It is, when you compare it to the league, it is the most impactful free throw shooting season basically since Basketball Monster started tracking this stuff. So in the last 20 years, Shea, right now, is having the best impact free throw shooting season. That's pretty crazy. The second best, uh, Kevin Durant, 2009-2010 where his actual foul shooting was kind of significantly lower. He was at 90%, I believe, on about 10 per game, uh, and Shea's at 93. But the league as a whole was actually not as good at free throw shooting back then compared to the, the top names right now. So what Shea's doing, it's, it's more impactful, yes, but if he had had this season in 2009, he would have, almost broken all records for how impactful one player can be in one statistical category it's pretty crazy uh i also think that by the way Shane number two by totals right now uh kevin durant number one kind of running away with that one jjj down to 3.2 blocks per game still a pretty amazing number there um that's kind of he and, and Brooke Lopez, I think, are the two guys right now that, are, that have a one category impact that's greater than what Shea is doing in the free throw number. But again, I mean, what we're talking about here with, with Shea gilgis Alexander is pretty insane that he and, and KD from 13 years ago are the top two foul shooting seasons in uh, the last 20 years. That's crazy. And then I know everybody's afraid that they're going to shut him down, but all I can say is play Roto. All right, friends, I'm cooked. My voice is cooked again. I'll kind of try to get up enough strength to do the show tomorrow. We'll see how things are looking at that point. I am Dan Vesperus. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Thank you, as always, for listening, despite the sound quality right now. Give me a follow at Dan Vesperus on Twitter. We'll definitely do some stuff over there over the rest of today. And with that, I wish you a lovely rest of your Wednesday. So long, everybody.